Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel, which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. 
you will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to our Tuesday after dinner show. It's a great Tuesday here. Uh, well, we do have some sad news report, and we're our hearts are heavy here in Clarksville. After this weekend, uh, MH60 with the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment experienced in-flight emergency during training in the uh, eastern Mediterranean Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, uh, causing a crash, and we lost five aviators. They are Chief Warrant Officer Stephen R. Dwyer, 38 of Clarksville, Tennessee. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Shane M. Barnes, 34 of Sacramento, California. Sergeant Tanner W. Grone, 26, of Gorham, New Hampshire. Sergeant Andrew P. Southard, 27, of Jijung, Arizona. And Sergeant Cade M. Wolf, 24, of Mankato, Minnesota. To Valhalla brothers, uh, we have the we have the from now, and our our thoughts and prayers are with your family and friends as we move forward. So we'll pause for a moment of silence there. All right, our next guest has built a successful company from scratch and decided he wanted to teach others how to do the same. In his 50s, with no teaching experience, his only job offer was from a minimum security prison camp. Having no experience with prisons or the incarcerated, he told his first class on the first day, I'm going to learn a lot more from you than you could possibly learn from me. His book, Lifeline to a Soul, takes the reader inside the fence and chronicles victories and challenges he faced as a first-time teacher in this strange world. His experience will entertain us, enlighten, and educate anyone who is curious about what life is like inside a rural minimum security prison camp. So without further ado, let's welcome John McLaughlin, author, entrepreneur, and prison teacher to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, John. Hey, thank you, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here and honor. I'm a fan of the show. Uh, I'd like to, first of all, thank you for your service. I never served, but uh, for everybody listening who has, my heartfelt thanks. You know, I think it's easy to take for granted that we have the greatest military in the history of the world. There's a lot of people behind the scenes doing a lot of work. And when you start reading about war, you realize how much we depend on these people and uh, how we can very easily uh, not see them, you know, and all the work they do. So thank you very much. Uh, no problem, John. Uh... Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's hard when things like this weekend happen, especially in the community like we, I'm in here. Uh, most of my neighbors are in that unit, so it it hits hard when it's that close to home. And I'm sure it hit hard in all those five communities where they're from as well, as I'm sure their their loved ones are not doing as as well as we are at this time. So that's why our thoughts and prayers go with them. And uh, but they would want us to keep pushing forward and do positive things in life. And positive things is something not many people would what you do. Tell you that right now to go into any prison. I mean, you, know, you, you make light of it saying a rural, a minimum security camp, but it's still 
guys in jail, you're going in jail for the first time and you're teaching for the first time. So that's an amazing journey yeah. for you uh, along the way there. Yeah. And you know, something I never planned to do, never thought I would do, but you know, I was uh, looking to teach and I'm a very determined person and I just kept at it and kept at it. And I'm seven years in with no job offers and I'm getting older and older and I have no experience. And so the, here it was, it was this or nothing. Uh, and so we go, we interview at the prison and I've never been inside of it. And I'm looking around and these are some scary looking guys and it's pretty run down place. And they show me where I'm going to be teaching. And I'm like, how could I possibly make this a classroom? And I had a half a notion to run for the door and say, no, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. But I, I knew it was this or never. Uh, and thank God I stuck it out, you know, and, and went the first day and did it because it was probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. Um, met some really good people. I learned a lot about a system that's, you know, could certainly use improvement. Um, so it was life changing. Uh, and then I'm like you, uh, COVID hit and no, they don't let anybody in prison anymore. Programs are shut down and I got all this time. And so I wrote a book just like you did. Um, Outstanding. I actually have your book, by the way. Awesome. That's, loved that's, it. that's my I loved book. it. Awesome. Yeah, Thank I you. loved it. It's a great have book. Yours right here. Uh, I like, there we go. <laughs> that's a, but I, I love the, the early year stuff when you grew up. I yeah. thought that was excellent. You know, I, I love like, I, mean, I like, I feel like I know you, you know, because of how you told the story. And awesome. uh, you. some of your advice was excellent. So I, I very much enjoyed it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. John, if you don't mind, tell us a little more about like, first you were an entrepreneur. So tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. And then when you decided, hey, I want to try to help others. Absolutely. So it kind of started with my father. He never went to college. He was a, just a hardworking guy. And so he took the first job he could get, which was really working in a factory on the factory floor, spent 25 years building this company up and make worked his way to national sales manager, which is a pretty amazing journey. You probably couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it took his whole career and a lot of blood, sweat and tears, a lot of travel, a lot of time away from the family, a lot of sacrifice. And he got to be in his mid fifties. And one day they just let him go. Him and all his buddies who had built this company, they had some change management. They got rid of these guys. They were too expensive. And, and frankly, they were, trying to steal from the company and these guys were, were putting up resistance. So he goes from this very secure place where he thought he would retire from. And one day he doesn't work there anymore. And he realized that he was never going to put himself in that situation again. He said, from this day forward, I work for myself. I will never do this for somebody else. They, they have all the control. So he started into the industry that he had spent his life in with nothing from, and from the dining room, um, and I just so happened that I was getting out of college at that time. And he said, how would you like to come to work for me? And I said, in the dining room? I mean, we got nothing. I mean, we got a, a phone, we got a filing cabinet and we work in the dining room and we have no money. He said, well, I don't have any money, but uh, I can't afford to get you a company car and we'll have a lot of fun together. And I told him, I said, you know, this looks really risky. I can see me getting in here and, and investing my time and energy and then we're just gonna fail and, and all these small companies fail. And I'll have nothing to show for this time, but I know I can learn from you. So I'll tell you what, I'll give you two years, but then I'm moving someplace safe. Well, he had learned those big companies aren't safe. Um, so I said that was 1987. I said, I'll work for two years, but that's it. Just know that going in. So I still work for and own that company today in 2023. You know, wow. it's come, come through some amazing changes. Um, 
But one thing I learned about when you work for yourself, you've got to educate yourself. And I quickly became outdated as far as uh, new technologies because I'm working the same way I always did. So I realized to get back in the swing of things, um, I had to go back to school. And I went back and I got an MBA at night. It took me five years at night school to get this MBA. But I was a real oddity, not just because I was 40 and everybody else was 20, um, but because I was a guy who ran his own business. Most people, when they get an MBA, they're doing it because they work for a big company and they're climbing the corporate ladder. I was doing it just to learn. And so they had some classes in there that they were teaching entrepreneurship. And they always asked me, would you want to come talk? Because you're the only guy we got. And I loved it. I was like, well, this is perfect. This is going to be my second career because I can help these guys. You know, um, entrepreneurship is best taught by somebody who's done it and made the mistakes, who can prevent you from making the mistakes because you have limited resources always, no matter what you start with. And you only get so many mistakes before you fail. And the failure rate is you know, astronomical. Uh, I think 50% don't make it through the first year. You know, if you can make it through four or five years, you're in the top 20. I mean, it's very, very, very difficult proposition. So I realized I could help these people. And I said, okay, enough of what I've done. I've, I'm done with that. I built that to where I'm comfortable. I had other people running it and I'm going to teach. And like I say, I went back and got more degrees. I couldn't get an interview. I couldn't get anything uh, until I got the prison job. And I wanted to teach so bad. I was like, I'll just walk in there and do it and I'll just make the best of it and, and I'll learn as I go and uh, it was a great thing because what I learned first and foremost was you know when when most people see their experience with a prison is they drive by a prison and they look and they see these guys out in the yard and they're all dressed the same and they're all exercising and they're all scary looking and you, it's easy to just typecast them all and say well these is a bunch of losers you know these guys thank god they're locked up because if we let them out they'd be you know tearing the town up or whatever but when you get in, you actually meet them person to person. Obviously, they're not all the same. You know, some of these guys had a, had a bad night, a really bad night. Uh, some of them had a bad role model. You know, some of them grew up in an environment where all the successful people were lawbreakers. So they didn't have any other options or couldn't see any other options. Uh, but the system takes them in and it dehumanizes them because it pretty much has to. Because if I'm running a prison, I can't treat you like a person. Everybody's an individual or we'd never... We couldn't run a prison that way. So I have to dehumanize you so I can be tough with you. And I don't see you as a person. It, it's what works, unfortunately. But the problem is when you get somebody in there and they've been dehumanized and they don't feel like a person anymore and they're not around their family, their friends, and they're uh, not given any resources to better their lives, then when they want to better their lives, it's a very, very difficult proposition. You know, they get out. Now they've got a felony on their record. It's very hard to get a job. Nobody wants to give them a second chance. Their kids are hungry. I mean, what do you do? You go back to what you know or what you learn from other guys in prison. Then you get another prison sentence. This one's going to be a little longer. And it, it doesn't have to be this way, but it's a it's a you know recidivism in this country is, is it's, it's huge. People, once they get into the system, it's very hard to break free. So I found an opportunity to take the people that wanted to not come back to prison and give them a little information, a little hope and a little encouragement. And it was amazing how well some of them have done who are out now, um, whether or not I had anything to do with it, I don't know, but it, it, they certainly had the ability to do it. There just wasn't anything in place to help them. So it's been a very rewarding experience, you know, and, and I, I will say, you know, we're not here to save everybody. Right. I met plenty of guys who were very happy with the prison. They were going to get out and come back and that's what they were going to do for the rest of their lives. And they were, they were comfortable with that. 
but there were also some guys in there that didn't want to come back and they were done with it and they were treated the same as the guys who, you know, didn't have that desire. So yeah. it seemed to me that it was simple enough to help them. And, um, you know, like I say, there's been some success stories. So it's always so it good. But, uh, it wasn't what I it. expected. Yeah. I took a, I'm going for my uh, PhD right now, Liberty and, Part of that, I had to take a bunch of criminal justice classes to start, and I never took one before this level. So my bachelor's, my master's, never took, never touched criminal justice. And I guess level, they make me take, I think, eight eight criminal justice classes in a row. So I was the the oddball in the class because I had no idea what anyone was talking about. I was learning on the fly, uh, learning from a water hose, basically a fire hose. And recidivism is something that comes up. It came up in almost every course that the, the in revolving door of jail and reasons why and you, you hit a couple in there there's some people that that's just all they know and that's what they're going to do you can't it's hard to that cycle for some of them and then there's some that right. they, they like you also said one bad mistake and that just ruined everything for the rest of their life one 30 second decision ruined everything so a lot of the re-education programs uh like what you're doing could be considered part of re-education or uh, i guess the Reinstitute, de them to get them back into the workplace or, or back on their feet so they could start their own position. And that's something that really helps. And the community involvement helps as well, which is statistics I've shown that. But you going on the inside, that you're the first person I've talked to that's been on the inside actually seeing it. What were some of the views of, of them towards you when you first met them? Oh, they knew I was a fish out of water. I mean, these guys, if you're in prison, you can size these guys can size you up quickly. And the first thought is, what's he doing in here? Why is he really in here? Why does he care about us? So for the first two weeks of my teaching career, it was pure silence. You know, they, they weren't sure about me. You know, I must have an ulterior motive because people don't like me don't walk into prison and start teaching. It was just, I was definitely out of place. Um, but I think the more I put my heart and soul into it, the more I was able to get a, a little bit of trust from some of them and then some of them extended the olive branch a little bit. And then it was funny. It was like, it changed overnight. Like the decision was made as a group, this guy's okay. But it took a little while to get there. And honestly, I went in with the best of intentions. I had no ulterior motives. And I think if I'd have had, they'd have sniffed it out. Uh, you know, if I was there to report on them or whatever, or do something behind the scenes, they would have known it. Uh, but just that I didn't have one they. They eventually trusted me, but it was funny when one trusted me, it was almost like everybody trusted me. You know, they make almost a group decision. This guy's okay. And then I was great. You know, all of a sudden I was getting a lot of interest and action, but there's a definite kind of cooling off period where they are not sure who this guy is or what's he doing here, but we're going to, we're not going to make any sudden moves until we figure him out. Um, so, and you're right. I mean, recidivism, if you look at the numbers, in the country, it's like over 40% of people that go to prison come back. Uh, but there's another statistic that says if you give them a class, and it could have to be a college-level class. It could be a class on welding or anything. Teach them just some skill, then you can reduce it by 15% with one class. So, I mean, it's it's a great way to invest in people who who want to, uh, you know, want to improve their make situation. their life better. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of like when you got out of the military, you had a little trouble finding a job, right? I mean, at first, because it is a transition. And so you kind of, you got to get somebody's mind to where, okay, what you've learned in here isn't going to help you much out here. We've got to shape it a little and sharpen it up. 
it's right. I, it's obviously prison is much different than the military, but it's the same kind of situation where you're you're going into a new environment. So you're still a fish out uh, of water because learning the whole civilian way of doing things based on what you did for 22 years is it's a lot different than uh, what the what's right. uh, expected of you in the civilian world based on what, what was expected of you for 22 years is way different. So you get to do a lot less in the civilian world and make a lot more money. Oh, 100%. Right. It's 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 all based on money, which is something that you don't see there. Yeah, very <laughs> true. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, so it you was see, a great experience. I, you said a couple of them have been successful. I'm sure you, you keep in touch with, the, with at least them guys. What have they done? Have they yeah. started their own businesses since you taught them entrepreneur basics or did they just wind up in business somewhere? A lot of them uh, had a plan before they met me. You know, they had done okay. it before. Uh, I got one guy that's got a successful painting company, one guy who's nice. a successful general contractor. You know, it's a lot of blue collar work, but that's kind of what is best to start a business with because you don't need a lot of startup money. Uh, right. My real success story is, is a guy I met and he was 24 years old. He made a mistake at 17. that got him a seven year prison sentence. But when I met this guy, I was he was very much like myself. He checked every box for a successful entrepreneur. I. I don't, hadn't met too many people like him and I got to know him pretty well. And he kept asking to come work for my company when he got out. And I kept saying, no, no, no. I, I made a promise to myself. Nobody, no promises when you get out, you know, I'm not going to do it because everybody wanted to do that, but he just wouldn't let it go. I really want to come work for you. I really want to. And so he did it enough. I was like, I tell you what, when you get out, I got a place for you and uh, we'll give it a try. If you want it that bad, let's see what happens. And he's been with me now three years He's basically about double the sales of my company and he runs all the operations. I'm an incredible person. Yeah. And who would have thought you meet him in the day room of a prison? I, you know, never, never would have seen that, but there's other people like him in there that just aren't given that chance, but if they are given the chance, they can really, they can really go places. Um, but yeah, you think about, you know, the worst thing you've ever done. We've all made mistakes. If you read the book, I made some horrible mistakes when I was a kid, uh, but I came from white middle class, upper middle class, and when I, the police in a small town too, so the everybody knew everybody. So when the police caught me screwing up, they took me back to my parents and said, "Better deal with this kid. He's a, he's screwing up." And the you know you look at somebody who maybe came from a, a poor environment or the wrong side of the tracks. When he gets picked up, they're not taking him home. They're taking him to juvenile hall, and he's going to start down that road of incarceration, incarceration. And it's, so it's it's really not fair. Um, I learned a lot about statistics and who gets a fair shake in the criminal justice system and who doesn't. And after a few classes, I, I started telling my guy this first day, you know, if you're not white, rich and well-educated, don't break the law because it's, it's a different system for people of color, people of lower income uh, and people of lack of education. They don't get the, the same deal that a, a rich white guy gets. I mean, it's, it's just how it works. And if you're divided, you're going to get fought. It's not going to be good for you. Exactly. It's not a good place to be, right? you got no weapons. <laughs> you're you're our, right. Exactly. In our lifetime, we've seen a very wealthy man get away with a pretty cut and dry murder because he had good money and colors. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It happens all the time. Um, the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, if you can, and you, you know, you think about it. And when I met a lot of guys, and this is a really the travesty. They had been arrested for something and they said they didn't do it. I don't know. Maybe they did. And it wasn't even that bad of an offense. But COVID, they had slowed the court systems down so much 
that you were waiting two and three years uh, to go to trial. So if you don't have bail money, you're doing three years, even if you're innocent. Now, a guy with bail money goes home that day. And so you're, what kind of system is this? So what they would do is go up to these guys and say, okay, you've done three years. If you'll plead guilty, we'll let you go home today. If you want to not plead guilty, then you can stay in jail until your court date and you might get 15 years. Now, who's going to take that chance? So I had a lot of guys say, hey, man, I didn't even do this one, but I took the deal. I mean, I had to. And that's really not justice. Yeah. yeah. And then that and stays on the river. Exactly. That's now you've got a felony too. Can't vote yeah. no more and so all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And who's going to hire you? Uh, most people, you know, eliminate that application before they even meet the person because if there's a criminal record on there, that's that's all they want to see. That's all they need to see, I guess I should say. So, once they see that on there, yeah. it's over. Let's go on to the next one. Yep. Like on to the next one. Absolutely. Most yeah. businesses, I mean, they make it when you have to check the box. Being a business owner right. so, and successful, you know that you only have so much time to read a resume, so time to read a report on right. somebody. And if that's the first thing that's on there, okay, gone. And it's a it's a horrible thing, but I know that's what happened across the board. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it myself. Um, it's just it, like you say, if I've got 50 applicants and 10 of them have a felony on the record, well, it's 40 real quick. You know, I can eliminate right. those from the top of the stack. Now, I wouldn't do that today because I've, I've gotten to know some of them and I, I might get to want to meet them first. But, you know, it's that mindset of who he's made a mistake. We, we can't risk bringing him in here. You know, he, he who knows? He'll, he'll go off the, off the rails on us. But exactly. uh, especially in minimum security, they're, they're not all like that. <laughs> right. And they're, they're usually the prisoners that have shown a promise or shown that they can be trusted or, or something like that. And either if they didn't start there, they moved there because of that. Exactly right. Uh, usually, if you've got a prison sentence, they put you in the hardest prison they got, and you work your way up the ladder through good behavior. And it takes years to get to that level. You know, minimum security. The people always ask me, "Did you ever feel threatened? Did you were you worried about your safety?" And you know, during the interview, I very much was. I was like, "Well, what do I do when there's a riot?" And they were all laughing at me. All the they won't <laughs> believe me. There won't be a riot. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I watch TV." What am I supposed to do? I said, I'm not going to turn the job down, but do I crawl under the desk? Is there a whistle? I mean, what do I do? And they were just laughing at me like, you don't know what this place is like. Just wait. And you realize once you're in there, you know, these guys throw a punch at anybody. They're going right back to the the bad they place. Go. And then they got to work their way two or three more years. And so you never see it. You never see any physical altercations. You don't even really see uh, verbal disagreements. It's a very calm place. Because everybody's got a lot to lose, you know. If they go to war, they lose. Doesn't matter if they win the fight, they lose. So, you know, it's 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 the it's a good safe place. I never saw any you know trouble uh, amongst themselves or against me. So it's interesting. All, all the movies you've seen, like Attica or uh, Last Castle and stuff like right. that, they were going through your head like crazy. This one I'm going into. Oh sure. And, and you're in a day room with a bunch of dudes that are just in minimum security and just really wanting a chance. Hopefully most of them wanted the chance and didn't want to do anything wrong. So that's awesome. It's a great experience for both of you, both them and you at that point. Because you're both, like you said earlier, you're both feeling each other out at the beginning. And they, they right away, I'm sure they tried to test you at first and, and you won. So you earned that trust and that's the best thing to do. 
yeah, I just uh, because, like I said, I didn't have any ulterior motives and I was there just to help. And I enjoyed the teaching part. I really thought I could take some of these guys and give them, point them in the right direction and, you know, change their lives and really not just their lives, but the lives of their children, the lives of their families. Because of the one thing you don't realize, if you've got, you know, a guy in prison and his, his wife is now raising the kids, he becomes a burden on that family and not a provider. And that's a really difficult thing as a man to realize that, you know, the people that I'm supposed to be taking care of are taking care of me now. You know, I've seen a lot of guys really torn up over that. Uh, you know, I'm not being a man to this family. Uh, in fact, I'm dependent on them. And I just beat your self-esteem, you know, right into the ground. Uh, so, so something you don't think about. But um, when you see it, you get it, you know, that here I've made a bad mistake and my kids don't get a Christmas kind of thing. I read an article, I think just yesterday, C.J. Shroud, the quarterback for the Houston Texans, uh, was from uh, Ohio State. Uh, his dad's been in jail since he was a little kid and won't get out till he uh, to 2040 as of right now, a 38-year sentence or something like that. He has never seen his wow. son play football. That's all C.J. wants oh, to do, see, see him play. And so he's trying to work things to get them, get him out and may, maybe at least let him get him see a game. He's never seen him play. And he never. He also oh, I never. I never stopped loving my dad. Uh, I believe in the Lord and the Lord will bring it back to me. So he's a very religious guy, very uh, passionate about, about his beliefs. And he, that's what the story was. Has not seen, His dad's never seen him play and won't be able to come out to 2004. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's I, I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough guy to do that without a father, right, to get that far yeah. along. Definitely not easy. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So I'm glad that the village was able to pick him up, I'm guessing, and him forward to the success he's having now and of course he had a strong mom as well i'm for sure of that yeah and it's there's always somebody that fills that gap i mean hopefully you hope that somebody right. stepped up an uncle or somebody to fill that role because obviously everybody needs it you know it's Definitely. uh it's very important so all right we're going to switch a little bit here what's the best qualities like you being an entrepreneur growing up there you watch your dad succeed what best qualities do you see a person needs to be successful making a business of their own? That's a great question. And what I learned through experience more than anything, um, it's not necessarily the smartest guy. It's not necessarily the guy who works the hardest. It's the person who is determined to make it happen. And I say that because, you know, this business has been around now over 30 years. And there were at least two times when I had called in a business broker to sell it because I didn't see any future at all. I mean, things were going really, really bad and, and it was all out of my control. I had gotten myself into a, a five-year lease and I couldn't pay the rent. I was getting to the point where they were going to come take my house because I couldn't pay the rent. Um, yeah, it was a horrible mess. And so I thought, well, I'm done. You know, this is, this is over. And I luckily, the partner I had in business, I, he owned 20%. I gave him 20% of the business. And I said, well, I just, you need to know this because you're a part owner, but we're selling the company. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I can keep sitting here and not being able to pay my rent and they're going to take my house. So I'd rather not have that happen. And he said, man, what are you talking about? Why don't you just go out and get some more customers and quit crying? You know, why don't you go out and make this happen? I'm not quitting. And I said, okay, let me tell you something. I really don't see a bright future here. But this is my best friend from eighth grade. I said, but if you want to keep fighting, it's it's like being in the military. I'm not turning my back on you, brother. We'll go down in flames maybe, but we'll go up that hill one more time. 
And when I did that, as soon as I agreed to do it, I, everything changed. Everything came back into favor and the company took off. But there were some really low points that anybody in their right mind would have probably gotten out of that situation because it was looking bleak. But you just can't. I mean, you can change direction, but you can't give it up. I mean, that's the difference. I, if you look at all the successful people or a lot of them, they usually have a similar story where they were ready to throw in the towel. They had a really bad situation and they just didn't. And that's the day when things turn around for you. It's it's incredible. But um, to me, determination rules everything. If, if you are the kind of person who says, I'll find a way to make this happen, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. You know, if I got to work 20 hour days and sleep four and go out and get new customers in different places, I will do that. Those people are the ones that are going to make it. Above all, you know, so, and I learned that through experience. Yeah. And, and, and that's why when I wanted to teach, I wasn't going to quit. I'll keep sending out applications until I'm 60 years old, 70 years old. And they won't even look at me. I mean, that's fine. I'm not quitting. Uh, and fortunately, I think that was the best thing I've learned in this life is if you want something bad enough, you just got to stick with it and get it. Uh, whatever it takes. Definitely. You got to keep pushing forward. Uh, don't quit. Don't quit yeah. on yourself. Oh, and write something exactly. on the wall. Write something on the wall so you have yeah. to look at it every day until you make it right, until it works. And then you can erase it yep. and write something else on the wall. And if you run through that wall and you blow through it and make amazing things, awesome. If you run through the wall, fall down, get back up and do it again. Just keep going until you get it right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference. Is And the people that I met who have made it and the ones who didn't make it was because they, they gave up. You know, And sometimes you feel like it's the best move, but I don't think it's ever the best move. You know, till you're just down and out, you you keep going, uh, change direction, whatever you want to do. But, you know, if you've got to, if you want to accomplish something, you just stay at it. Exactly. And it eventually seems to get there one way or the other. Like, so. like Ross said on Friends, pivot, pivot, pivot until you get it right. <laughs> pivot. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it seems right. Try something yeah. new. Who knows? It seems crazy, it but it works way. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, does. It's funny. It's, it's not what you think. Um, and a lot of people, when they start a, a business, they think it's going to be quick money. Most of the guys, because I'm dealing with guys in prison, they were used to the quick money, but they think I'm going to get this great idea or I'm going to go get you know a thousand YouTube followers or I'm going to go, you know, within six months, I'm going to be a star or I'm going to be a millionaire. And man, it's, it's a long grind. Uh, so you've got to prepare yourself for, you know, getting this, you know, where it needs to be. You're coming up on three years. The, on this the yes. podcast, is that right? Yeah, next sure. month, right? Yeah, congratulations. That Thank is you. pretty amazing because I know there's a lot of people that don't make it past uh, the, you know, just a few shows. Yeah, the statistics on podcasting is 10 shows. 10 shows is usually the wall, and that's it. They get tired or they just don't understand what they're doing anymore, and they quit. That's why there's a lot. If you go on any podcast apps, there's a lot of just ghost shows out there. There's so many people started and just quit. And I've known I've known a bunch and I don't know that many people that do podcasts, but I've known a, a few that you know, they got a great idea. They got their first three or four guests lined up and then they draw a blank and go, well, I'm out of ideas. I guess it's over. So for you to make it to three years, congratulations. That's that's an accomplishment that not many people get to. Thank you. And, and it's kind of like a small Fun. business. If you can make it to, to three, I yeah. mean, you're past the, the big barriers, I think. Past the mountain, I think now. So I can I'm, you've, you've I'm got to figure it out. Having fun now, meeting yeah. guys like you, uh, authors like you, entrepreneurs like you. So you're like three things at once, author, entrepreneur, and teacher, all in one thing. So that's three people in one show <laughs> sitting in one spot. There you go, right? Hey. 
I could switch you gears anytime you need me to. You exactly. can everybody on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never run out of things to talk about. Exactly. Um, give the give the audience a couple tidbits on how to get started into writing and more more specifically a memoir. I tell you what, um, it was a little intimidating. Um, I actually lost my prison job before COVID and it was just because I'm in the philosophical camp of I'm trying to help these guys and build them up. And everybody running the prison is in the other camp of we're going to keep them down. And I didn't work for the prison. I worked for the college, so they couldn't fire me, but they did find a way to let me not in the gates one day. And that was it. It was over. And I went to my father's wife and I said, well, I got some news for you. I don't have any more prison stories. I love my prison stories. Tell me about this guy. What this guy say? What happened? And I said, well, the prison stories are over. And she said, well, I guess you'll have to write a book about it. And I thought about it for about 10 seconds. And I was like, I think you're right. I think I should do that because I can take the reader inside with me and I'll tell you exactly what happened to me. And maybe at the end, you'll see things that I saw where it changed my perspective. Um, but, you know, with COVID, I did all the household projects and then it was like, OK, we're in quarantine. We're not getting out. I've got all kinds of time. I'm just going to start writing. You sit down and you start writing. And um, I tell you what is the most one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I don't care if I never sell a, a book. Um, it was very much worth it because when I got, you know, you get your early beta readers in there and they right. take your rough stuff and they take, you know, change it around and make the change. And my story was all about teaching in prison. And they all said, no, 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 you can't do that. We need to know how did you get to the prison? Tell us about your business. Tell us about this and that. And so I had to turn it into a full blown memoir, which I never planned to do. But right. like they asked me, for instance, um, why did you marry your wife? I said, man, I don't know. I just it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. No, no. What was it about her that you made you know that she was the one you wanted to marry? And I was like, I never really thought about it. So, you know, you go back and you look at these little things that happened in your life and you think about things that maybe you hadn't thought of in a long time or remembered in a long time. And you learn a lot about yourself and you, you remember the people that really came through for you, maybe took an interest when you were young and gave you good direction. Uh, you, you forgive the people that maybe didn't fill the roles they were supposed to. And I think above all, you, you forgive yourself. So I would advise anybody, if you're sitting down with a pen and paper or you're sitting down with a word processor or whatever you've got and you're, you want to write, sit down and write because it'll be one of the best journeys you'll ever go on. Even if that book never sees the light of day, uh, you'll learn more about yourself and how, what made you you than you'd expect. Uh, so it was a great thing. I, I I don't think I'll write another book. I think one book did it for me. I, I'm, I'm a one and out kind of writer, but it was a great time. Um, but, you know, you just write until you get to a point where it seems confusing and then, you know, get somebody to look at it and get an objective opinion and then get another one, get another one. And you'll be amazed what comes out. I was. I mean, it was pretty, pretty fascinating for me to remember all that stuff. You know, how long did it take you to write your first book? Uh, the first yeah. one, uh, probably that whole year. So the end of so 21, from 20 to 20, December 20 to December 21 is when it was released. So that whole year, and then with my daughter yeah. being my editor, kicking it back to me so many times, tell me, tell me I don't yeah. write right. I write like I talk and things like that. So we had we oh, had yeah. to go back. since so she was already she was published in high school, so she she was the expert on books and stuff and. She still is. She helped me with my second book as well. She made sure my cover was correct and made sure the verbiage was correct. My characters were developed correctly. So my second book just came out September 11th. 
that book took me a lot longer. Oh, I, I, that. I kept stopping writing it because I was I don't want to more. I don't, like kind of like you were saying, I don't want to do this, but then go jump back in. I kept jumping back in and cutting things out. And now I finished the first, and I'm already starting the second part of the book, the second book to go with it. Oh wow! So is this more of a memoir of your for your? This the book that just came out is a fictional book based on many of the people I served with. So many people will be like four or five people will be combined into each character to build the build story about mental health in the military as they go through battle and stuff. Oh, wow. Well, that's my, that's my next book. Well, your daughter did a great job. I, I thought that it flowed perfectly. I didn't find any mistakes. She's very, very good. I'll let her know and make I her head it. get bigger. <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> she earned it. She earned it because that's yes, a tough she, job. Yes, it is. It's and a tough job. It's, to, it's hard to, to tell your dad what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I'm sure she was very gentle about it. <laughs> yeah, sure she was. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. John's been great chatting with you. How does someone get in contact with you if they want to have you on their show or if they want to just ch talk to you about maybe making the, the decision to get into business or become a teacher in prison? Hey, that's great. I appreciate that. And we do have classes now. I'm not teaching in prison, but I hooked up with a guy who was in that prison. And I didn't know him at that time, but he was an inmate who got out and wanted to start an education program. And I had happened to hire him to work for my company, and I didn't know that. And we were talking one day after work and I said, man, I got all the material. I built a class for three years. So we work together now and we help people on the outside. Uh, it's all volunteer work that either are recently released or have are overcoming obstacles in their life. And we call our company Lifeline Education Connection. The name of the book is Lifeline to a Soul. And um, if you go to our website, it's lifeline to a soul .com. At the very bottom of the page is a place to leave your email address. And uh, anybody who leaves their email address, and would like a copy of the book and mentions Misfit Nation or the, uh, Rich Lamore, I would be more than happy to send you one at no cost. I'll autograph them in there. Because I, did, I didn't write the book to sell books as much as I did to help people change their perspective and maybe give somebody a second chance who wouldn't have got one. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and that website is going across the bottom for anyone who's on deal right now, who on your podcast, so you can get your copy of Lifeline to a Soul, so how you can help John and his team as they educate others to do better things in life. John, this has been great having you on tonight. I'm glad uh, I told you in the, in the green room my Tuesday, bad news on Tuesdays all the time here. You made this a great Tuesday. Thank you again for uh, taking for the time too. to hang out with us. Uh, I appreciate you having me, Rich. It's totally my pleasure. I'm looking forward to your second book. Thank you. Uh, you have yeah, a great night. Great. Okay, you too, Rich. Thank you very much. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle, hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus, they cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app.
Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Cause we are the Fit Nation. Fit Nation. Fit Nation. Fit Nation.